One month ago, we at Clinical Conversations contacted Dr. Natalia Shevchuk, the chief narcologist in Ukraine's Donetsk region. Things were relatively quiet then, and I use the word quiet advisedly because even then, Dr. Shevchuk was speaking to us under candlelight and had just spent a couple of nights in a local bomb shelter. Now, however, things have changed for the worse. Eastern Ukraine has reportedly become the new focus of the Russian invasion. So we've come back to check in with Dr. Shevchuk. And once again, we thank Anna Metalyuk for arranging this interview and Oleg Lutsenko for serving as interpreter. Thank you, Dr. Shevchuk, for taking this, this time with us. You said several um, weeks, you said you had several weeks supply of a substitution therapy on hand uh, when we talked last. How are your patients doing? And you had roughly 600 of them under your care. How is that going? So we used to have 612 patients, except Mariupol, two sides. So on that side, so we ended up having 612. Now all the sides, except one, now shut down, and we have uh, regular dispensing on the 11th, but on the 5th of April, so it was the first missile that hit Kramatorsk, for my reference, and they demolished the school in a number of the blocks of flats, demolished too. And actually, we had an official referral of the municipal mayor with a request, or if all the people really could leave town, please flee as soon as you can. But soon the alarm really went off. Uh, and actually, people went off to the bomb shelter. But uh, fewer and fewer people we ended up having, and we also left on the 11th of April. So we gave them takeaway home dose. And on the 6th of April, I left Kramatorsk uh, to travel to the town of Dnipro. So it was very hard really to cover the distance. But on the 8th of April, so that missile hit strike on the railway station in Kramatorsk, where, where it was really swarming with people, crowds of uh, people, and our clinician was on the ground, was on the spot, who was Shaparenko Sergei Yefimovich, and who was about really to, to catch his train together with his wife, and he was uh, in the commuter train, and when that missile struck, so he was dead immediately on the spot. And uh, actually, there were, and uh, actually, my um, replacement physician also left. So that's why on the 11th of April, when we started dispensing medications to the patients, all of the patients were referred to to Konstantinovka, 30-minute drive away from Kamatosk, and it was yet another site. So under the umbrella of our narcological um, uh, clinic. And they inaugurated the site, and uh, they had really for well, 30 days to see them through. So they ended up having some medications. So at that time, it was pretty quiet because all the all of the health providers were at work. 72 people were dispensed their medications, take away home dose to see them through 30 days, and once again we referred them 
we refer to them asking really earnest entreaties, really please leave because otherwise you will be up for trouble here and please seek your safe haven elsewhere and you will be able really to get safe access to your medication. So in the other regions of Ukraine and all of the health providers left and then on and north we had the sites inaugurated. So in the town of Bahmut, Pokrovsk, Konstantinovka has dispensed uh, a good load of medication and the town of Slavansk was finishing their performance on the 12th of April and managed really to cover up all the patients really who approached. So from Kramatorsk, from Konstantinovka, from Bakhmut and on the 13th of April had shut down. So the substitution therapy side as well, just because the health providers evacuated all of them. And as of now, in the town of Kramatorsk, we have one functional website, and that uh, so in the. On the 13th of April, the the substitution therapy site in the town of Slavansk had shut down, and uh, it was functional until 12th of April, looking after the patients from Slavansk, Kramatorsk. Bakhmut, Pakrovsk, Konstantinovka, all of those patients who were short really to cover up their distance or didn't have enough time really to get uh, a hold of their medication. And on the, t on the 13th of April, the side in the town of Slavansk had shut down just because the health providers evacuated elsewhere. As of now, in the town of Kramatorsk, I'm just talking about this Donetsk region, so which has we just have one functional substitution therapy site in the GP facility. Uh, Vlasenko is the CEO and the nurse available there, and the clinician evacuated to the Western Ukraine, but uh, by means of telemedicine, she tries to, to get in touch and uh, to provide some care but all of the patients ended up having their methadone or buprenorphine for takeaway home dose to see them through 30 days, uh, enjoying a very earnest recommendation to leave as soon as they could. So I, I witnessed an NGO that uh, really provided free of charge and transfer access to the shuttle buses to facilitate evacuation to the town of Dnipro. So especially to our substitution therapy patients, it was the courtesy of that NGO. And I am now sure that 60% of our patients have evacuated. Why I'm just thinking it is 60% just because uh, a lot of telephone calls from the other regions, from the clinicians, in case of doubt, so say some written clearances provided by the patients and asking us and asking us really to make sure if that person really has signed up to the, the government program for substitution therapy and we provide them assistance and we sometimes really uh, provide some reference for how long they should be given their takeaway home dose 10 days or three years or 30 days many really have left and now have signed up so to access uh, substitution therapy elsewhere but some people have stayed back 
just because uh, they won't really be able to sustain it yeah. financially because you, you need really to, uh, to afford some money. Some people really have their next of kin who are sick and so on. And uh, so grammar task has been shelled uh, today as well. And I am don't and I don't know uh, what we are uh, up for. And uh, hopefully we'll go back to work in May or uh, 30 days later. But we are trying really to keep in touch with our patients, trying to convince them to leave elsewhere. Some really have left to the town of Dnipro, have had their dose there and came back. And some really came to Zaporizhia, got their dose and came back and to Poltava. The same trend. Thank you for that update. Natalia, I'm sorry to hear about your colleague um, who was at the railway station when it was when it was bombed. Uh, yeah. You are safe yeah. in in Nipro now, uh, relatively safe, as I as I say. No, no, I am in Odessa region. Natalia is in the Odessa region, and the safe havens so far. So the sirens really blaring all the way, all over the place in 2014. So she spent two months and a half in occupation. And uh, so when really crossed the border of the region, so she felt uh, she had peace of mind, but no longer because here on the ground, she is really on her toes and uh, she is now in the village. Uh, so uh, run by her, so in the house run by her parents. And uh, so the people are toiling land as farmers. Yeah, so we are here in the, they are there in the Odessa region. But as far as a colleague of hers is concerned, so in the town of Dnipro, so there were some health providers and they transferred him to Vinitsa. So initially he was wounded. So when when the railway station was shelled and then he was transferred to the town of Vinitsa, but he passed away yeah. just because he was as bad as that. Okay. Now, I want also to ask you, Natalia, about your colleague, Dr. Alexander. Yeah. I think his last name is Bianco. Alexander Bianco? Is that right? He was in Mariupol? Pianco. Alexander, Alexander Pianco. Were you able to reach him? But they keep in touch regularly. Ah, good. I wanted to ask you, um, Natalia, if, if if we could send you something, what would delight you besides supplies? I, I know that there are ways to get supplies to you, but how could we, what would make you very happy if, if you could have it now? If you feel like uh, helping out and if you can afford it, then possible some uh, financial incentives really to keep us going because really we are in this uh, time of turmoil and we really got uh, through all those odds really and uh, so we didn't have many clothes and other things and we are prone to have more expenses to occur to pay so if you can only uh, afford it. Okay and now for a, a clinical question. I, I know that war doesn't always teach a lesson. Um, sometimes war is just war. But is there something that clinically that you can take away from this experience 
you think that that you weren't aware of before? What's new for me here? Something that I haven't come across before. Well, you know, I've been faced with such a phenomenon that have patience. So in the Donetsk region, so we had really hostilities already between Ukraine and the pro-Russia-backed forces, and she had some patience really. So that uh, where previously in that warfare, smaller warfare, and they had some military experience, and then they went to the front line to fight, and they had their medications, and one of them, so while she still were in uh, that town, so he came back to to get his take away home dose so those were people right smack in the front line so those were experienced in military operations and they could enforce uh, that combat and fight and they were all uh, really conscripted and uh, for me it was an eye-opener and uh, she managed really to really to appreciate them again and some of them so we're in for territorial defense so right on the ground so looking after the security in town and so on, and uh, they were, so one of the positive patients. Uh, so for instance, uh, Natasha, Natalia was um, astonished with it because she hasn't come across that before. And uh, some of the patients traveled abroad, many of them. Um, so I have some experience here and uh, I'm just hearing from a couple of them say that in Poland, one managed really to pay some money to sign up to substitution therapy bupren to be in bupren on a fee-paying basis and some really traveled to germany so it was brand something brand new for me and something that i was also astonished how the patients experience all of these chain circumstances some really uh, uh, become more aggressive some really in a stalemate, in a fix, and it's very difficult really to pull them all together. So it's really to strike up a conversation, and it's very difficult really to speak to their panic-stricken parents likewise, yes. and uh, is my experience. Okay. Well, uh, I, I want to thank you very much, Dr. Shevchuk, and we wish you and your patients well. And uh, that uh, really, uh, enjoy a world-renowned and uh, international respect that are impactful across the whole boards and really have their say to say uh, uh, with the government so it must be taken out for wider discussion because it is really appalling and abhorrent what's going on in the 21st century here is my appeal to the humankind all right thank you thank you again and good luck to all of you. Thank, thank, thank you all. That was our 288th episode. Clinical Conversations comes to you from the NEJM group and the writers and editors of NEJM Journal Watch. Kristen Kelly is our executive producer, and I'm Joe Ilya. Thank you for listening, and please leave a comment to let us know how we can inform you better.